Brothers and sisters, welcome to the LDS Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan, and we are on episode 24. As always, uh, before you listen to the podcast episodes, please go back and listen to the Midweek Spiritual Boost. I try to have the podcast go hand-in-hand with the Midweek Spiritual Boost. That's kind of the whole purpose of the podcast, is to get us back to the foundation, right? Getting that strong foundation in preparation for the return of the Messiah, and for the return of the King. Uh, getting back to the foundation, the prophets, the, po- the, the apostles, right? Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Um. So don't don't sleep on those midweek spiritual boosts. Get 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 into those first, and then you can come listen to me ramble on. Right, listen to the Watchman on the Tower first. So uh, last week I got super slammed. I I've been doing some house projects and just I was able to get the midweek spiritual boost out, but uh, I wasn't able to. I did all the all the show notes in preparation for the podcast that goes hand in hand with the uh, uh, Elder Holland's "Fear Not, Believe Only." So I'm going to do that now, and I'm also uh, going to have the uh, President Nelson's "Now Is the Time" notes. Now that one's only five minutes, well, about six minutes, right? But there's some there's some interesting stuff to be gleaned from that. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go into that as well. But for today, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get my, my podcast out for, uh, dealing with the midweek spiritual boost from last week. And then, uh, later in the week, I'm going to release mine for, uh, president Nelson as well. So there'll, there'll be two podcasts this week to make up for last week. Um, also, if you guys have any suggestions, I need to tweak the name of the, uh, podcast. I, I, uh, have been putting it off, but I, instead of saying LDS on there, I want to follow, uh, what President Nelson has said as, as they went back and changed the, and changed, you know, a lot of the stuff, like instead of saying Mormons, instead of saying LDS and stuff like that, I want to get back to or I want to bring myself into alignment with what the prophet has asked of us. And uh, I need to st- I need to have Christ's name in there somehow. So, something. I need something in there to change it so that I can come into conformity with that. So, I don't know, maybe like Christian Fishers of Men or Fishers of Men for Christ podcast. Something like that. So, anyway, if you guys have any suggestions, put it in the comments below, and uh, I'll take a look at them, and if it's one I use, I'll I'll give you a shout-out. So, getting into the the show notes here, the study notes for Fear Not, Believe Only. Um, Elder Holland is, he's great at dropping spirit bombs, and... The reason why I'm doing this, and this is going to kind of be the new, if you guys haven't noticed, this is like the, this is the new form, format for the show. Instead of doing things that maybe I see culturally coming, things that, that I want to talk about, I really want to have my message be a catalyst to bring you to the message of the brethren. And in turn, 
the message that Christ would have you hear. And so this is this is kind of going to be the format. I might do another um, playlist where I, you know, I'll put stuff on there, just my own thoughts and stuff like that. But I think the main focus of this channel and the the form factor is going to be putting out words of the brethren for the midweek spiritual boost and having the podcast uh, go over and st going a deep dive into those those words and those notes. I always appreciate it when people do that. And I think that it also benefits not only me spiritually, because I study and I get things out of there that I normally wouldn't get, but I think that it benefits others as well who maybe don't have the time to do that, who are maybe driving truck or, or something. And so I think that that is going to be how I go forward and what I focus on uh, uh, for the duration. So, going into the talk. Going into the talk. I enjoy how he comes out and he, and he shows that, uh, that hand, handwritten letter by some, you know, very, very small, very young uh, uh, little sister. Words are spelled super funny, just ultra cute. You know, may, maybe first, second grade, something like that. Uh, Dear Bishop, General Conference was boring. Do we have to do it? Tell me why. Sincerely, Marin Arnold. <laughs> so, something that I put in those notes, because it's, it's super entertaining. I love that he put that in there. Um, I think it's, it's something that, that there's a message to be had here, right? If we... If we are watching General Conference, if we are not on the edge of our seat, if we're not taking notes, if we are simply a body who is sitting there and who is just being obedient, like there are blessings to that, don't get me wrong. And, you know, we're setting a good example for our children. It's, it's one of those things where there's good, better, best. Brothers and sisters, we are in, as President Nelson puts it, we are in the bottom of the ninth inning, and, and we are the closers, right? Those type of statements are, are littered throughout general conference, okay? But how many, people, how many people pick up on this stuff? We're getting advice given to us, you know, and, and I feel like, for me especially, I feel like in the past I have not taken the words of our prophets and apostles and those who have been chosen uh, by revelation to speak to us very seriously. We haven't dissected their words. That, that's a part of why I'm doing this here. So do we find General Conference boring? Are we like Sister Marin Arnold, right? Do we find it boring? Do we, do we watch or take it seriously? Because it's coming up right? It's coming up. About two weeks, a little less than two weeks. And we're going to be, uh, we're going to be watching the brethren again and listening. This is stuff that we need to, di to digest. This is stuff that we need to dissect. And what are they actually telling us? What is the theme? And what are they telling us, right? So let's get into this talk here. Uh, he, he talks about how the pandemic was of biblical proportions. 
Okay, it, it did affect some populations more than others, right? That, that was one of the things that I put in there. My, my own brother uh, almost died. He, he should have died. It was literally a miracle. The doctors and the medical staff coined it as a miracle that he survived. Medically, he should not have survived, but he did. Okay? And that's not to, like, there's a lot of people that want to downplay how the pandemic was, it's, you know, it's, it's not super, uh, a super killer thing. And that's true. Both of those things are true at the same time. But the effects that it had on the world as a whole was biblical. And, and it will cause more deaths, not from the disease itself, but from starvation, uh, from, from supply lines, from medical supplies not getting to certain people, certain populations of the world. Like, there's a lot of stuff that it affected, goods and services, right, that, that we, we take into consideration when we, when we look at, at the pandemic. Like, it was, it was awful. The, the whole world stood still. So, indeed, it was biblical. That was a very bad deal for mankind. And we're, we're just now starting to feel the full force of, of those, those stoppages, of those effects. We have seen how, how our, our supply, our just-in-time delivery system, when it works, it's fantastic. It's great. It's convenient. And it's, it's slick. It really is slick. But the minute that you have an issue, we get all sorts of jammed up, and it causes problems, severe problems, right? So I think that we need to, you know, we're, we're having to reevaluate how we do things. Maybe we don't have China have make all of our stuff, and we be ultra-reliant on them, right? You know, I'm not going to go into this, into politically too much of that stuff, but there's things to consider there and things that I think are undertones of what he's talking about when he mentions this biblical pandemic, right? That have had far reaching effects. Um, there are many challenges in our path culturally and even in our own church, right? That was very divisive. That was very divisive. And there are people who have left the church over uh, the pandemic. We, we just getting started, guys. I got news for you. We're just getting started. Um, the youth really took a hit. Okay. Uh, I have a quote here from from President uh, Holland, where he says, "The young are the faces of our future." Right. Furthermore, our children are the trustees into whose hands the destiny of this church will be placed. Brothers and sisters, that was not a throwaway comment. Okay, that, that had some meat. There was some meat there. There's some meaning behind it, right? Like I say, a lot of times we sit here and we listen to this stuff and we, we, don't, we don't grasp the gravity of the, the words that are being thrown at us. Okay? That was a that was a big deal. There are um, there's a ton of young people who are desperately looking for something they've lost. Okay, that's a quote. Looking for something they've lost, or worse yet, looking for something they never had. Okay, that's that's a true statement. Um, it's also very sad, but it's it's an observation of the world. Um, our our youth are going through some serious trials right now. 
And I think that we can see that. I think that we can see there's a lot of people, not not just youth, but youth in particularly that that are they're just going through the meat grinder right now, it seems like. You know, being that young and having all of those all of these things uh Satan is throwing at them because they are the the trustees of the future. They are the future leaders of the church, right? It would, like, strategically, you would want to take out the reinforcements. If you can take out reinforcements, then it's just a war of attrition, right? There is a tug of war going on with our our children. The world is pulling on them. The world is telling them and preaching to them the doctrine of Satan, right? They are teaching them some really nasty stuff. And we are here, those of us who have gone through our youth and who have gone through a lot of those same trials, or, or just our own trials, you get your family, you, you endure a little bit, and then you start to figure out that your parents, what the heck, they knew what they were talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, mom, dad, I love you. You get, you guys knew what you were talking about. And sorry, I was such a turd. But you know, you 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 look at and and you get to this point where you're like, oh my gosh, I I'm happy. And what is making me happy? Uh, my my beautiful wife makes me happy. She's my best friend, right? I can talk to her about anything. I can, I can, you know, she can tell me anything. I can tell her anything, you know, things we struggle with. We, you know, she, she is my, she is my, uh, my partner through life and my kids, you know, watching my kids, uh, side note, there, there's a, a, a gal who we have been bringing sacrament to because she had surgery on Sundays. So sacrament to the home bound. And uh, she was able to make it to church finally. And she saw my son. And, you know, whenever we would bring her sacrament to her home, she would always give my boys a candy bar. And, uh, you know, it, it made the, the, the trip uh, very much a sought-after thing for those boys. <laughs> you know, I, I told them, hey, this isn't why we do this. You know, and they were like, yeah, but it's a nice bonus. And so they saw her at church, and my my second uh, oldest boy, um, he, he he saw her and gave her a hug, and she said, well, sorry, I don't have a candy bar for you today. I guess you don't get one. And he said, I don't care about that. I'm just glad to see you here. And that sister told me that story with tears in her eyes, and it, it made her day. You know what I'm saying? It made her day. And that brought me so much happiness as a father. I mean, I'm talking legit, true happiness, right? And like, when you get to a certain point, you realize what true happiness is. It's not being the biggest, baddest dude in the room. It's not, it's not, you know, having the, the, the things that your neighbor has. It's not having the nicest house. It's about, it's about family. It's about those spirits and those souls that you make a connection with and that you're taking care of. And when they do things like that, you experience joy, like legit joy, right? 
and I, 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 it's something that I wish that I could transfer that knowledge to our youth, to my kids, you know, but I, I, I can see the brethren saying the same thing, you know what I mean? Feeling the same thing. I wish that, that we could transfer our knowledge to you guys so that you could see what it's like once you get to a certain point. You realize some truths, and that's a big truth right there, is that there is happiness to be had, right? You're going through the ringer right now, but if you can endure, there is something on the other side that is incredible and, and absolutely worth it. So, moving on. Um, Elder Holland's plea to us is to begin your search for happiness by embracing the bounty we have already received from the river of every good gift, the Lord. Right? It's one of those, you know, count your many blessings. Right? Count your many blessings. And as we mature spiritually and mentally, we get to that point where, like I was saying, you get to that point where you realize what truly makes you happy and where that happiness comes from. While the world is searching and is searching for this happiness uh, they lost or have never had, we ought to be answering with the good news, quote-unquote, of the gospel of Christ. In order to be able to do that, we have to have faith, not fear. Okay, just like in in the uh, in the previous modern or excuse me in the previous midweek spiritual boost, we have to let our light shine for our lost brethren and sisters to find like a beacon or a lighthouse. Right? You have to be a lighthouse. You have to be a beacon. You have to let that light shine so that people know. Like there's there's something about about letting your light shine about like just even just setting a good example and being fixed in your mind right being resolute to obey the commandments that people are are attracted to and they can't explain it but they they can see it and they can sense it um it is our duty as it was in the pre-existence to open our mouths and declare this stuff right And I, I've mentioned that a lot. I've mentioned that a lot. The whole reason why I'm doing this is because I find myself, my mind, being cast back to uh, the pre-existence. Not that I can remember it or anything. Just the what we've been taught about the pre-existence, right? And I have uh, had opportunity to read and to study about it, and I've seen some patriarchal blessings of people that are very, very close to me that specifically says that they raise their voice in support of the Savior. And I hope that, you know, mine, mine does not say that, but I hope that I did. I hope I was vocal in support of the Savior, in support of His plan of the people that he chose in the pre-existence to be his prophets and apostles. You see, this stuff, it goes deep. It really goes deep when you think about it. And I raise my voice now in hopes that I am doing it now like I did then. 
trying to be consistent here. And if I didn't, maybe I was quiet in the pre-existence. I don't know. But if I didn't, I'm doing it now in mortality, right? And in both instances, I think it counts. And I hope that uh, whether you're doing it on Facebook or whatever, because it's kind of uncomfortable. It's kind of weird to do a podcast and to tell people that you do a podcast. They're like, oh, huh. And if you want to, if you want to see if someone's a cultural Mormon or if they're a true member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, start doing a, a, a churchy podcast, right? It's you'll you'll be able to see them who they are real quick. But Elder Holland's plea to us is to begin begin the search for happiness by embracing the bounty we have already received right from the from Christ. The world is searching for that happiness and they are inserting into that that hole in their in their soul and their spirit all these worldly things, right? Whether it be fast cars, whether it be uh, nice houses, boats, women, dudes, right? Whatever. They're hungering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They just don't know it. So let, let your light shine. Don't be afraid. You know what I'm saying? Speak up. Open your mouth. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting out of that. Our church offers the most eternally significant way to both find good and do good at such a needful time. This brings us to a very, very important and somewhat overlooked fact. If you want to be happy and feel close to the Lord, feed his sheep. Okay? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Okay, look at the Greek words used for love. You'll find a different word uh, all three times. Somewhat lost in English. Okay, but the, the level of love was increasing with each question that that was asked. It wasn't that he was... It wasn't that Peter couldn't, couldn't hear. It was hard of hearing, right? And Christ had to repeat himself three times till he actually heard him. Okay, that's not what happened there. Okay, how much do you love? Do you love me this much? Yes, I do. Feed your sheep. Do you love me even more than that? Yes, I do. Feed my sheep. Do you love me the most? Am I the ult you know? Am I the ultimate form of love? Do you, do you possess that form of love for me? Yes, of course, Lord, I do. Thou knowest I do. Okay, feed my sheep. Okay. We have to do the same thing. We have to be willing to do the same thing. Um, minister to the least among us, our brethren. Okay? Those people who, who can't do a whole lot themselves, right? Um, and I've, I've mentioned this before. I did a, I did a, a podcast episode on it, right? I, I have felt celestial joy from serving in the old folks' home and taking the sacrament to them, you know, I I uh, I I feel that I get a glimpse at the Savior when I do that, and that's something that was 
I, I, I know I was taught that, but it didn't click until, until I think I started doing things like that, right? Until you go on a mission, until you, you get out of yourself and you start to serve others and you, you find a joy there and a celestial glory and you find the face of Christ and you feel closer to Christ in those instances. And I, I, I now, I think I understand a lot better as to what Bruce R. McConkie, Elder Bruce R. McConkie said that in his final testimony that when he, when he sees the Savior, he'll know no better then than he does now, you know, at that time, that he was, he was the Christ. And I understand that now. Now I, I think that he probably had, he was a special witness of Christ. So I think he, there was more depth to that statement than just what I'm saying, but I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I understand now where, when I see him, I will feel those same feelings. I will feel close to him because I have served the least among him, the least among us, our brethren. We serve Christ himself. And that's when we truly feel that love. Um, you are needed. Right? I wrote down here, all hands on deck for the bottom of the ninth. All hands on deck. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the bottom of the ninth... Uh, President Nelson has said it twice now, and it was actually quoted by Elder Bednar uh, when having a, a dinner with one of the area authorities, and he, he, he basically said that we are in the bottom of the ninth and we are the closers. The, these are not idle throwaway statements, brothers and sisters. This is, this is time to get serious. Um prophetic message from our prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, has said that this generation of young people has the capacity to have more impact for good on the world than any previous generation. Think about that. That probably, this is from last general conference, that probably went through one ear and out the other for most of us. I know it did me. You know, and Elder, Elder Holland here is quoting our prophet and bringing special attention to that fact. So now, in the mouth of two witnesses, right, this statement is huge. Okay? And again, no wonder our youth are being attacked so ferociously. That's a huge statement. This generation of young people has the capacity to have more impact for good on the world than any previous generation. Man, it makes it makes it a, a very sobering fact that I'm a steward over over my children, over these young people, and I can see and I can feel the righteousness. I really can. There's something special about these guys, you know, and, and it's it's our duty to make sure that they are protected until they can let their own uh, lighthouses shine to the world. Um, our youth, they hold a lot more power than 
than they realize, and maybe even than we realize. And I, uh, I love the reference to discipleship being synonymous with discipline, right? In their Elder Holland, he makes that connection where he says, you know, discipleship and discipline, like they're, they're from the same root words, right? If you're going to be a disciple, you can't be a lazy disciple. you got to have discipline. Okay, there's going to be times when you don't want to go out and and help your kids do uh, 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 fast offerings, right? There's going to be times when you don't want to get up early to go to a priesthood meeting or to ward correlation or whatever, right? When you get that call and somebody needs uh, the priesthood, okay, there's going to be times when you don't you don't feel like it at that moment. You got to have discipline. Um, if you want to join the choir, the football team, the wrestling team, and do your part for the team, you have to be disciplined enough to get in shape and do your part and carry your weight, right? I have uh, written down as a note, military log training, okay? If any of you don't know what that is, uh, go watch the Navy SEALs when they train. You can look up, up on YouTube you can see that they'll take and they'll give them this huge heavy log and they'll tell like, you know, 10 guys or whatever, six guys to pick it up and put it on their shoulders. Now, I've never done the log training, but being in the military or having been in the military, there were very similar things that they had us do, right? So, for us, they would get us in like front-leaning rest position, which is a fancy uh, military way of saying push-up position. And if any of you, if or if any of us touched our stomachs to the ground, we had to start over, right? And that would basically mess over the whole platoon. Okay, so if one guy screws it up, everybody else gets screwed up, and they have to start over. Okay, now taking it a step further with these Navy SEALs doing their log training, they get this huge heavy log up on their shoulders. Now this log is heavy for everybody. So if you decide to take a break for a minute, right, and to, to not push up with your shoulder on that log, what happens to the rest of your team? They have to shoulder the weight they get more weight added onto them because you're not you're not holding your weight, right? That takes discipline. To have everything in your body hurting and telling you that it's time to quit, but knowing that if you do so, it's going to uh, mess over the rest of your team, that's a mind game, and there's a reason why they do that, right? You have to be able to push past that that mental block and i think that we are experiencing the same thing right now but it's in a a spiritual way where we're having some spiritual warfare go on here so if we want to be a true disciple of christ we have to have that discipline okay now the next part, um, the next part in my notes, it's it's super important and interesting. 
running into that fellow who's determined to find something bleak about everything, right? He's talking about that that guy who's who's uh, always he's just got the bleakest outlook on everything, right? Um, how much fear mongering is going on in the prepper community? Okay, I'm I'm a, I'm big into the prepper community. I keep my I keep my finger on the pulse of the prepper community because I am one, right? Um, how much fear mongering is going on in in our own community? Okay, it's going on in the prepper community. I can tell you that right now. It's all about fear, fear, fear. The end is near. The end is near. The end is near. Right? It's all bad, brothers and sisters. We know that we're in interesting times and that things are looking scary. But what are our leaders telling us? What 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 counsel are they giving us? Okay. Some of the things that they have told us, you know what I'm saying? Let God prevail. Uh, face the future with faith. Right? Gifts of the Spirit for hard times. See what I'm saying here? Conversion to the will of the Lord. What What are they talking about? Right? Are they saying... Uh, the end is near. You're doomed. Be afraid. No, that's not what they're saying. Okay. We know that we're in rough times. And the counsel that they are giving us is what I have just said. Okay. Those examples. It's hope. It's hope. Right? It's hard to not get sucked into that stuff. Right? Because it's it's easy to see all this stuff that's happening and to to give in to the fear and to be scared. But that's not what they're telling us to do. That's not the, the counsel that we are getting. If they are truly hand-picked by the Lord himself, talking about the brethren, and if they are true disciples of Jesus Christ, then they are giving us the very message that he would have them give us right now if he himself were here. Right? The Spirit gave revelation for the talk that Elder Holland is giving us right now, that we're talking about, as well as all of those in General Conference, all of the ones in, in uh, the church publications put out by, by the disciples, the, uh, the apostles of the Lord, right? The prophets. Okay? The Spirit gave revelation for all of those talks. It's not just blind fluff from old out-of-touch men, which is a quote that I've heard. Old out-of-touch dudes, okay? Attitude is everything. I have that written down in my notes. Attitude is everything. That's an old football uh, quote that we, we brought back when I was in high school. That was from a previous generation of high schoolers. And faith reflects and mirrors attitude. Okay. There's a quote from Elder Holland. We certainly should never run away from who we are. Children of the living God who loves us. Who is always ready to forgive us and who will never ever forsake us. You are his most precious possession. You are his child. 
to whom he has given prophets and promises. Now look, that's an interesting statement. You are his most precious possession. You are his child to whom he has given prophets and promises, spiritual gifts and revelations, miracles and messages, and angels on both sides of the veil. Man, there's a lot to unpack in that statement. It shows... It shows what um what the life rafts are what the life preservers are that our father in heaven has thrown to us right he sees that we are in this ocean of babylon okay now we've all grouped up together in one body but there are some of us who are swimming away from from that body of christ you know, there's a prophet there who's saying, guys, come on, stick together. Don't don't go swimming off and trying to find a better, uh, you know, a, a better piece of driftwood or something like that because there's sharks out there. And how many people are we seeing swim off and get eaten, devoured by, by those sharks, right? Those devil sharks. If we are his most precious possession right if we are his children one of the one of the things that he has given us is prophets and promises i find it interesting that he put those two things together if we go back to the general conference and look just do a search through the talks to see how many times president nelson mentioned the word promise and you'll be blown away. There are promises that have been given to us that we don't even acknowledge or are aware of. We need to be. Okay. There's so much to unpack there, but that I'm I'm gonna leave it there. But there's man, this is something you need to dive into. Um, he has also given you a church that strengthens families for mortality and binds them together for eternity. I wrote in my notes, do we take this for granted? Do we take the prophet and apostles for granted? Go back to about 100 AD, to the very, very early Christian church, just after um, the apostasy, the great apostasy, right? You will find quotes from some of those uh, some of those early brethren, and they are lamenting the fact that there are no apostles around. They knew that something was awry, that the church was in a state of apostasy. It becomes even more evident when you get to two hundred A.D. Like there's, it's it's a super interesting study, and I would encourage you guys to do it. They longed for the, for the words of the living prophet, for the words of the living apostles. And how many of us are completely uh, trampling these gifts that the Lord himself has given us, that he himself set up, right? We're just trampling them under our feet. 
I've seen it. And I am seeing it. I've seen it in my own church congregation. My own ward. The sifting is taking place right now. And that sieve, that great sieve, it shakes from the right to the left. Okay, it goes back and forth, from the right to the left. And you can take that politically. That makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? There's some on the very far left that are being sifted. There are some on the very far right who are ultra-conservative. People I would call my brethren, right? I'm ultra-conservative. Okay, I, I love my, my God, my, my Bible, okay, and my guns. <laughs> I'm a very conservative dude. Okay. I have faith in the living oracle, in the living prophet. I have faith in the apostles. So if something flies in the face of of something I hold dear, whether it be my my guns, right? Uh, vaccines, whatever the case is, I'm listening to the oracle. I'm listening to the apostles and the prophets. Okay? I have faith. I know the church is true. I know the Book of Mormon is true. I'm going to take the road with the, the foundation on it. I made that decision already, and if you haven't, you should too. You need to decide now, because things are going to get crazy. There's talk of civil war. There is talk of all sorts of wild and crazy stuff. If the Constitution isn't hanging by a thread right now, then that definition is scary to think about when that actually does happen. I don't want to get up on too much of a tangent here, but when we, we, when we become prophets unto ourselves, when we quote-unquote know better than the modern-day uh, Peter, Petros, the rock, right? The, the foundation, okay? It, it all kind of makes sense. The prophets, the apostles, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, they go hand in hand, brothers and sisters. You don't get one without the other. You don't. And the church organization that we have is here to help us to get back to the kingdom of God. The church of God exists to get us back to the kingdom of God. Those... Men are flawed, right? Men in the church are flawed. Bishops are flawed. Stake presidents are flawed. People are flawed. But when they are, when the prophets and apostles are up on the pulpit and they are guiding and directing the church, it is what the Lord would have them say. We need to remember that. When official uh, declarations are sent out from the brethren, there's a process that it goes through, and it is unanimous. It has to be unanimous. By common consent, right? We need to take those things, and we need to say okay. Right? 
bow your head and say yes. Moving on. Of course, this is a quote, of course in our present day, tremendously difficult issues face any disciple of Jesus Christ. The leaders of this church are giving their lives to seeking the Lord's guidance in the resolution of these challenges. Okay, that hit me like a ton of bricks. These men that are being accused of leading people astray, of being fallen prophets. You guys, in the sunset of my life, do you know what I do you want to know what I want out of life? Do you want to know what my idea of of heaven is? I want to homestead. I want to have land and acreage where in my in my grandpa years, when I first become a grandpa, when I you know, when I have paid off stuff, when I've saved up enough uh money for retirement, even before that, like if I were to win, let's say I win the lotto, right? Alan wins the lotto somehow. Do you know what I want out of life? I want to get on a homestead. I want to have some sheep. I want to take care of animals uh, and, and have a big old garden and have my teach my kids how to work. That's what I want out of life. That's That's heaven to me. I can't imagine spending the sunset years of my life where at any moment you could go let's let's be let's be real here these these brothers these brethren these uh, elders of the church the 12 apostles especially they could go at any moment any one of them they're old they know that they are about to face their maker Put yourself in that position. Would you, for any amount of money, any amount of world, worldly accolades, whatever the, the price could be, would you, for any of those reasons, sacrifice your time, your time from your family, right? Time becomes the ultimate, the ultimate commodity when you're at that age because you don't have much of it. It's extraordinarily, it is the pearl of great price to those brethren. I'm starting to understand that. At 37 years old, I'm looking at my life going, oh my gosh, in 13 years, I will have been around for half a century. That's wild to me. That means I'm, I'm almost halfway through. Probably, maybe I'm halfway through now, right? You look at these guys, These what do they have to gain from leading us astray? If they are corrupt, you know, evil people, what do they have to gain? It doesn't make any sense to me. Why? Why would you? They, why would you want to be a public figure at that age? I don't want to be a public figure now. I want to have a nice, quiet life. Anyway. You can tell I'm passionate about that. It's just one of those things. People will people will believe anything to get away from things that they don't like. And it just it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. It hurts my heart is what it does. Okay? It hurts my heart. 
because we're going to get to the judgment bar and there's going to be some tears shed and it just it hurts my heart it makes me sick to think about it really does it makes me sick to my stomach the spirit really hit me hard when he said that quote they they are giving their lives seeking the lord's guidance in resolution of the challenges of our day I really felt the truth and the depth of those words. I mean, there's a lot of things there under the surface. There's a lot of things under the surface. Think about how long those guys have been in the, in the service of their God. They actually are literally giving their lives. You are not released from that duty until you are dead. Are we paying attention? Are we listening to them? Are we digesting the messages that they are sacrificing so much to give us? Okay, going back to his quote. He says something interesting here. If some are not resolved to the satisfaction of everyone. Okay, he's talking about those issues that are facing us. If some are not resolved to the satisfaction of everyone, perhaps they constitute part of the cross Jesus said we would have to take up in order to follow him. The issues that are not resolved to the satisfaction of everyone are part of the cross we have to take up to follow Christ. What does it mean to take up your cross? What does that mean? Okay, let's go back to, to another apostle. Okay, let's, let's quote uh, Elder Ulysses Sores. Okay, the Quorum of the Twelve. This is from the October 2019 General Conference. He says, Taking upon yourselves your crosses and following the Savior means continuing with faith on the Lord's path and not indulging in worldly habits. Okay? Notice the word faith is used in there. Are there some things that... that People on the right and the left aren't going to like about the church? Yes. Okay, doesn't matter. Is the church true? That's what matters. Is this truly Christ's church? Because if it is, and you're struggling with some things, polygamy maybe, uh, you know, could, could be things that happen in, in the church history, right? Something that a prophet said, whatever. There's a myriad of things you could choose, okay? Maybe that like there there's contradictions in the Bible, blah blah blah, whatever. Book of Mormon, what what have you, right? If you've had that spiritual confirmation that the church is true, that Joseph Smith was indeed a prophet of God, and that the Book of Mormon, the fruit of Joseph Smith, is indeed a book of scripture, okay, it was brought forth by the power of God then any of these things that we have uh, issues with, it's just part of our cross to bear for right now. We have to have faith. We're not. It's not going to be easy. It never is. Okay? I have things that bother me. I do. I have things that bother me. It bothers me that President Nelson said that I can't take a gun on church grounds, that they don't want, that they don't want guns on, on the church property. That bothers me. Okay? However, this is the mouthpiece speaking. 
and I know that he was handpicked by the Savior, so I don't take my pistol, my sidearm, onto church property anymore. After he said that, I wrestled with it, and I finally said, you know what, I'm going to have faith. Even if I get gunned down in the church parking lot, and, and I would have survived if I had my sidearm on, on me, that's, that's not the point. That's myopic for me to think, well, I should have had my sidearm on me. No, that's not the point. The point is obedience to the mouthpiece, to Christ. Are you willing to be obedient? Will you be obedient, right? There's so much I could, I could say about this stuff, but it's, it, it is what it is, guys. The church is true. I can't deny it. And I'm not going to pick and choose the counsel that is given to me from the mouthpiece. Okay, I take it. I say, you know what? Yeah, maybe I do have a problem with this, but guess what? It goes on the back burner. Not going to worry about it right now, if, if ever. It just is what it is. It's part of the cross that I'm bearing with the knowledge and, and having faith. Okay, I know the church is true. I'll just put it, it's part of the cross that I'm carrying and showing the Lord that I have faith. Okay. Now this next part, uh, moving on here, this next part, pay close attention to the formula that Elder Holland is giving us. Okay, there's a formula here. Quote, it is precisely because there would be dark days and difficult issues that God promised, okay, there's that word promised, he would, out of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, guide prophets. Give an iron rod, open a narrow gate leading to a straight path, and above all, grant us the power to finish the course. Dang. That's a mic drop right there. That's that's powerful. Okay. Listen to what he's saying. Are are we in dark days right now, guys? Are dark days ahead? Yeah, they are. Okay. How blessed are we that through these dark times, through these horrible clouds hanging over, over us that God has promised this is an apostolic promise right here like look look at this guys this is not idle symbology thrown thrown back to the old testament it is it is symbolic and he's using it metaphorically in a way he's also it's also very literal this is a literal thing this is a promise that he's giving us Okay, this is the formula to keep us safe. Okay, the formula is that when dark times come, and dark days are ahead, and these difficult issues uh, are around us and we are dealing with, okay, God's promise to us is that he will lead us out of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We will know where God is. Okay? 
we can look to God. And what does God do? He speaks to his prophets. Did, did the, the pillar of fire by night, did it, did it talk to the children of Israel as a whole? No, it did not. Moses was the, the prophet. Okay, you, you can't pick and choose when there's a prophet and when there's not, guys. It's just one of those things. It's how things are done right? Christ could come in and he could take over and do everything, but he has chosen to have us grow more by doing it this way. So our modern day Moses is being given instruction from the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, okay? We know where the iron rod is. We know it's narrow, okay? It leads to a gate, at least to a straight path, that if we can endure, if we can hold to the rod, we will finish the course. Okay, he's not saying he, he gave past tense. He is saying he is and he will do as he did with Moses and the children of Israel. And he will guide the, his prophets. Give us a clear iron rod to follow that leads to an open but narrow gate leading to the straight path that gets us through this mortal course. I wrote down in my notes, huge, huge, huge. <laughs> okay. Does, doesn't this make you feel hopeful? This dispels the fear to me. This gets rid of all, the, all of that crap. Okay, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be scared. If we're prepared, we shall not fear, like President Nelson has said. Okay, we have a map. We have a promise from the Lord, okay? Going back to President Holland, or Elder Holland. So please, please stay for the whole feast, even if you are not sure about the broccoli. Okay, bask in his light and lend your, your candle to the cause. They have it right in primary. Jesus really does want you for a sunbeam. I love that. Think about the symbology of Nephi's dream and the children of Israel in the wilderness. So many, so many left and were lost in their own or of their own accord, because they knew better than the Lord and his mouthpiece. It's always the same formula for leaving the iron rod, guys. <coughs> Excuse me. How many people have stayed for the whole feast, but when the broccoli is served, they forsake the whole entire meal, because they simply don't like the broccoli. They don't like how it tastes. It smells funny when they cook it. It smells gross, right? And something like broccoli, that, that can't be part of the feast of, of God, right? Broccoli, uh, objectively, is good for you. However you feel about it, right? Whether you like it or not, broccoli is good for you. It will give you strength. It will give you nutrients. Okay, If you, if you simply trust in the fact that, that broccoli is, is going to be good for you, it will be good for you, objectively. 
there's a lot of people that can't handle the broccoli. Right? This goes along with what he was saying earlier. Sometimes, guys, we have to take that broccoli and we have to make it a part of the cross that we have to bear. It is what it is, right? Don't forsake the whole entire meal because you can't handle the broccoli. Put it on the back burner, okay? The church is true. Going back to President, uh, or excuse me, Elder Holland. When the Jewish leader, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Jairus, Yairus probably, pled for Jesus to heal his 12-year-old daughter who lay dying at home, the surrounding crowd waylaid the Savior so long that a servant soon came saying to his this anxious father, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only. And she shall be made whole. And she was. And so will you. Now what did he just say? And so will you. That's a statement in a an apostolic promise. Okay? There is nothing more hopeless than death. When something is dead, that's it. It's dead. What is, what is Elder Holland telling us right now, guys? When things seem like they are at the worst, when things are hopeless, okay? When they're dead, when things seem like they're dead and it's game over, man, right? Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And she was, and so will you. Fear not, believe only. Why would Elder Holland bring this up? Just... Just think about that for a minute. Why would Elder Holland bring that up right now? How many have we lost to the strange winds of doctrine? They've been tossed to and fro. How many have we lost to, to not liking the broccoli? Maybe they're okay with the broccoli, but the carrots offend them, right? Maybe it's the Brussels sprouts. We have our finite understanding. Like, that's what we need to accept. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's full stop. We have a finite understanding of the gospel given to us thus far. And the gospel is, you know, this last dispensation is ongoing. The restoration is ongoing. President Nelson has said that. Right? There are things that we will have that we don't right now. So with that finite understanding, we choose to let go of the iron rod. And once that happens, you're lost. And it becomes really hard to find your way back through the fog. Pride and forgetting primary is spiritually killing our brothers and sisters. That's a note that I had. Pride and forgetting primary is spiritually killing our brothers and sisters. 
Okay, follow the prophet, he knows the way, okay? That's not indoctrinating kids. It's not prophet worship. It's spiritual survival. It is prescribed by the master of this world, of this universe, okay? It is what it is. Because each of you, is a quote, in this audience is precious to God and to this church, I close with this special apostolic declaration. That means, brothers and sisters, pay attention. Quote, before you ever received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you had the light of Christ planted in your soul. Okay, and here he's, he's going to quote some scriptures. That light which is in all things giveth life to all things, and is the influence for good in the hearts of all people who have ever lived or who or ever will live. That light was given to protect you and teach you. One of its central messages is that life is the most precious of all gifts, a gift which is obtained eternally only through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the light and life of the world, the only begotten Son of God came to give us life by conquering death. Okay. Now, it's key in that last sentence. Okay, it's, it's how we came to be free from spiritual death and are redeemed from the fall. Throwing away... Uh, your eternal salvation and throwing away the gospel of Christ resulting in in spiritual death, right? And for, for a moment I'm pushing aside the temporal stuff, but the temporal stuff is absolutely, it's, it's right along with there, with the spiritual stuff in this context, right? Both of these things are getting hit. We must commit ourselves fully to that gift of life and run to the aid of those who are at risk of giving up this sacred gift. Leaders, advisors, friends, family, watch for signs of depression, despair, or anything hinting of self-harm. Offer your help. Listen. Make some kind of intervention as appropriate. Okay, he goes on to talk about how if you're struggling, right, if you're struggling with, with whatever your concerns or difficulties are, suicide is not the answer, okay? Now, now we're getting to some temporal stuff that has spiritual consequences as well. You know what I'm saying? He's given, I don't know how much of a problem this is now. I know that there was a big uptick in suicides during the pandemic. I wonder if this is going to be a problem that's going to gain some traction um, in the future. I don't know. But he was inspired to say these lines. Do not destroy a life that Christ gave his life to preserve. You can bear the struggles of this mortal life because we will help you bear them. Let's go back to that log analogy. 
Let's go back to that log analogy. You ever tried lifting something by yourself? Maybe it's a fridge, a freezer, washer, dryer, right? You're trying to move something in. How much relief do you get when just one person shows up? When, when my one buddy shows up and I'm moving, I'm attempting to move something by myself, right? And I still think I'm 25, so I risk injury and stuff, and I lift a, a washer by myself and try to carry it through. When that one friend shows up and grabs the other end of that washer, it's, it's so much more bearable. So much more bearable, right? Are we doing that for each other? You are stronger than you think. Help is available from others and especially from God. You are loved and valued and needed. We need you. Fear not. Believe only. Someone who faced circumstances far more desperate than you and I ever will once cried. Go forward, my beloved young friends. Courage. And on, on to the victory. Let your hearts rejoice and be exceedingly glad. He is quoting uh, DNC 128.22. Okay, and that, that was... What an awesome statement. You know, Christ, he's talking about Christ, the Lord, who faced circumstances far more desperate who said, go forward, courage, and on, on to victory. Let your hearts rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I'm going to go ahead and read the full scripture here. Verse 22, brethren, shall we not go on in so great a cause? Go forward and not backward. Courage, brethren. And on, on to the victory. Let your hearts rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Let the earth break forth into singing. Let the dead speak forth anthems of eternal praise to the King Emmanuel, who hath ordained before the world was that which would enable us to redeem them out of their prison, for the prisoners shall go free. We have so much to be glad about. We have each other, and we have him. Don't deny us the chance to have you. I plead in the sacred and holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Master. Amen. What really matters in life, brothers and sisters, is right there. We need to get ourselves into a place where we can feel that way. Hopefully... In, in doing the, the, uh, the format this way, in doing the podcast this way, we are discovering together that there is so much to be gleaned from these talks. And they deserve so much more than just a listen every six months and then never going back and truly understanding 
what the counsel to you, what the counsel to me was. You know, I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of not dissecting this information. But the closer we are getting, brothers and sisters, I think that this is um, almost a matter of spiritual survival now. If you're getting ready to go on a, a, a white uh, water rafting trip, are you going to just kind of casually listen to the guide? No, you're going to, I'd be hanging on his every word. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those things. It's, it's, it, it really is synonymous with where we're at right now. Brothers and sisters, hold on to the rod. I have that in my, in my uh, description box on every single episode I put out. Whether it's a midweek spiritual boost or a podcast. Hold on to the rod. Take up your cross. Put those issues and add them as part of the cross that you have to bear, that you have to hold on to right now. That's a struggle. That's okay. It's supposed to be that way. That's, that's what makes us grow. The struggle. Brothers and sisters, I love you guys. And I, I truly hope that these things are of worth to you. I hope that by me going in and doing a deep dive into these talks, that it shows you how much worth there is to be had and how much spiritual direction there is to be had especially for the tough times that are ahead. And that these are messages of hope. These are the voices that we should be listening to in the midst of the ocean of voices that tell us to be afraid, to fear, to give in to despair. Courage. Courage, brothers and sisters, and faith. Hold on to the rod. I'm going to close with my testimony that I know that the church is true. I know that these are true disciples of Jesus Christ, and that if we give special attention and heed to the words that they will give us, and if we obey the commandments, if we obey the things that we know to be true, and if we are true to the covenants that we have made in the waters of baptism, in the holy rooms of the temple, that we will be worthy, and that regardless of what happens in this life, if we are prepared, we shall not fear. I know that President Russell M. Nelson is a prophet of God. He is the mouthpiece. He is the watchman on the tower. Hold to the iron rod. I love you guys. I wish you the best. I ask the Lord to bless you in the days ahead. And I close us out in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you.